Are you an attorney that wants to help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need? But you also want to make better money than you're making right now. This is Elder Law in a Box. You'll become proficient helpers of the aging. Now your host, certified elder law attorney and past president of the National Elder Law Foundation. This is Elder Law in a Box. And this is Todd Watley. That is correct. This is the Elder Law in a Box podcast. My name is Todd Watley. And as always, I am very thankful for everyone who downloads and shares. And it seems like over the last few months, the downloads have increased tremendously. And I'm very thankful for that. And I have been very sporadic in my podcast over the last few months. I've been working very diligently on my Medicaid comprehensive course. And if just as a quick plug, if you are wanting to get the best information on Medicaid, a training course, complete start to finish crisis, pre-planning, how to sell it, how to, you know, things to look for. I have done that and I have taught the weekend courses before and um, have done videos in the past, but this one is I'm excited about because it is very short videos, single topic videos, 34 videos actually to to go through all of the issues of Medicaid and they they range anywhere from typically about 10 to 25 minutes each. So first time through, you can learn it, but then after you go through it and know it, you can then go back and watch single topic videos and really know your stuff. And I include fact patterns and time with me. I will go through those fact patterns with you one-on-one. We'll talk about it, clean up any issues that you may have and really get you comfortable with Medicaid, not just initial learning, but then afterwards with the fact patterns and stuff. So that's what I've been working on for the past probably eight months. And I've tried to do a few podcasts, but to be honest, the podcasts have just just dropped behind me due to working on that. It is now launched. It's done. If you have questions about that, you can always email me, Todd at elderlawinabox.com. Today's topic is very interesting because I was going through the NALA listserv and a lady from Minnesota, an attorney, um, brought up an interesting case. It, it is um, out of the uh, Court of Appeals in Minnesota, and it is Dorothy Guyen, G-E-Y-E-N, I'm assuming that's how you say that, versus the Commissioner of Minnesota Department of Human Services. And just a little quick history with me. I've I've been doing this 23 years, and I have fought with the state of Arkansas for those entire 23 years. And the purpose of this podcast is if you're a newer attorney out there doing Medicaid and you come up against the state and they're like, you can't do this, or here's the way this should be read. This podcast hopefully will encourage you to say, yeah, I don't think so. You know, if, if you know you're right, if you know that you've followed the rules and the state comes against you and says, yeah, I don't think so. This podcast is to give you encouragement to, you know, stiffen your spine to say, I think I'm right, okay? And just because it's the state and they have all these attorneys and all these people 
don't assume that they know what they're doing, okay? This case does a really good job toward the end of it of just basically embarrassing the commissioner to say, they said this, but that's absolutely incorrect, and and I'll go through that, okay? So what this case is involving is one of the pre-planning Medicaid issues that when a client comes to you, they're not in a crisis, and they are wanting to protect their estate from Medicaid, the number one tool to protect their assets from Medicaid and still give them some tax benefits is the irrevocable trust, the asset protection irrevocable trust, okay? And so just real quickly, if you don't know what that is, it's a trust, and it is irrevocable, and my recommendation, and not all states have to do this, but I think to be safe and make sure this absolutely does protect your client's assets when they need long-term care is to, number one, and there is no question about this because this is federal law, that the grantor and the eventual person to be applying for Medicaid can not benefit from this trust in any way whatsoever, okay? They are not a beneficiary. Someone else is the beneficiary, typically the kids or grandkids. They are the beneficiaries. Now, here's the part that can be state-specific and can um, can be done differently. My recommendation is the trustee of this trust should not be the grantor. Now, that is not in federal law. Federal law just says the grantor cannot benefit from this trust. Some states will allow you to name the grantor as the trustee, and they can distribute this money anywhere but to themselves. I don't like to do that. I like to be very safe and make sure that um, the assets are protected and that the trustee is not the grantor. And there is no way that the um, state can come in and say, yeah, the, the um, trustee, and particularly on this case, I will go through some things where the commissioner was trying their best to make this be a countable resource for Medicaid. And uh, they did a terrible job of it. Um, but I can imagine if the grantor in this trust was the trustee, it would have been a much more difficult um, fight, okay? So the law regarding this is 42 U.S.C. 1396P-D3B, as in boy. So dog, three, boy. 1396P-D3B. That is where it talks about that if a trust is irrevocable and if there is no way that the grantor can benefit from this trust in any way, it is protected f- from Medicaid. Well, Minnesota just, <coughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Their legislature just kind of said, we're going to create this law, and, and it's 501C.1206, paragraph B, that says an irrevocable trust that was done using the grantor's assets suddenly becomes revocable when they apply for Medicaid. Yeah, just ta-da, this trust is no longer irrevocable, it's revocable, and since the grantor 
can change a revocable trust or is the beneficiary or can be the beneficiary of a revocable trust, basically just a revocable trust is not protected from Medicaid. And so the um, Minnesota legislature just said, okay, we'll fix the, the, the federal government and we'll say this irrevocable trust becomes revocable. You can't do that, okay? I think that's pretty obvious. If you've done this type of law and you've paid any attention in law school, you know that federal law, you know, trumps state law. And particularly here, there are further Medicaid laws that says a state can be more generous in their rules, but they cannot be more restrictive. And obviously, this is much more restrictive than federal law to say, hey, we're suddenly going to make this entire trust a countable asset and therefore cause her to be disqualified and we don't have to pay for her care. Okay. And so, um, the, uh, the commissioner, you know, they applied for Medicaid were denied and then, um, it, they appealed it. Okay. And one interesting thing here that you need to understand that probably made the attorney kind of, nauseous when they did this is the trustees of this trust were the two children, I believe, and or at least one child. Okay. So when Miss Guyon was denied, this was probably quite a ways down the road, there was this big, huge bill at the nursing home, and the nursing home was threatening to kick her out of the nursing home unless they got paid. The trustee of this trust, the daughter, freaked and was like, oh, shoot, she's going to get discharged. She's She's got to stay here. And so she took trust money, put it into mom's bank account, and then paid the bill. Okay. Well, on the front end, you always tell your clients, don't do this. Okay. Do not give money back to your mother. Okay. Do not give it back to the grantor. And that would have probably caused a problem, but the appellate court did a really good job of addressing this. And I'll, I'll go through that in just a second. So I'm, I'm going through this case, all the preliminary stuff. So the um, commissioner basically took the Minnesota law 501 C and said, yeah, that's, that's what state law says. And so that's what we're going to do. But even without that law, without the law saying it just magically transforms from an irrevocable trust to a revocable trust, even without that language, this trust um, are available to her and jumping through hoops. And I mean, just took language from the trust that did not in any way say that these funds shall be used for that, but they were trying. And I'm not sure if this commissioner was male or female. I think there was a few she references in there. And so we'll just say she did her best. And so um, here's one example that the commissioner examined the language of the trust to, to determine whether there were any circumstances where payment from the trust could, could be made to or for the benefit of Ms. Kine. The commissioner rec- recognized that the trust agreements precluded the trustees from making gifts or loans to Guyon. Okay, it was clear, no gifts, no loans, no money. She is not a beneficiary of this 
trust. But the commissioner concluded that other provisions of the trust agreements do not appear to preclude payments being made to Guyon. On that basis, the commissioner concluded that the trust assets were available. And so this case, and I do recommend that you get it, if you want to see a really good case of where the state absolutely had no idea what they were doing, then um, this is a great case, okay? So I do want to go through some of these examples and um, show you where the commissioner just tried their best, but this um, um, appellate court, sorry, just drew a blank there, said no. So let's take a quick break um, for a, a commercial, and I'll be right back. Do you have clients who are over-resourced for Medicaid, but interested in accelerating Medicaid eligibility while preserving their assets? Your clients may want to consider purchasing a Medicaid-compliant annuity, MCA. MCAs are specialized insurance solutions offered by only a handful of insurance companies. To learn more about MCAs, reach out to Amber Hines at Ashburn. Ashbur is a nationally licensed organization that helps clients achieve Medicaid eligibility through the use of MCAs. Ashbur hosts monthly educational webinars pertaining to various Medicaid planning topics. To learn more, visit ashbur.com or call 888-441-1595. You're listening to the ELIAB podcast, Elder Law in a Box. Here's your host, Todd Watley. All right, so we're back. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to go through just a, a few situations where where this commissioner, and this is where I want you to be encouraged that you, you may think, I thought that getting into this was like, oh my goodness, you know, what is this person doing? You know, they're the state. They they wrote the rules. They they know this way better than I do, and so me losing here is bad for the client, and apparently I was wrong in some way. No, a thousand times no. So let's just go th- through some of these. I don't like to read, but the words here are just beautiful, so just bear with me as we go through this, okay? First, the commissioner argues that the, quote, general language of Article 2 of the trust agreement supports the conclusion that the funds could have been used to benefit Guyon. That language states that, quote, trustee will have full power and authority to control and manage the trust estate, dot, 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 and to do all acts and things which trustee, in the exercise of the trustee's absolute and uncontrolled discretion, may deem needful, desirable, or expedient, okay? And that same paragraph also says the trustee's full power is qualified by the language, quote, except as may be specifically required elsewhere in this agreement. And the court goes on to say, because the trust agreement specifically prohibited the trustees from making gifts and loans to Guyon, we conclude that the general language of Article 2 did not authorize the trustee to use the trust assets in a manner that could benefit Guyon. Duh. Obviously. Okay. Second, the commissioner argues that paragraphs 8 and 13 of Article 2 include language that, quote, could allow the trustees, end quote, to use the trust 
funds to benefit Guyon. Paragraph 8 allows the trustees to allocate all or any part of the trust receipts, including rents, capital gains, dividends, and cash, stock, and property between income and principal. The court then says this paragraph does not authorize or contemplate any payments to Guyon or to anyone else. Okay, um, Paragraph 13 enables the trustees wherever required or permitted to divide or distribute any trust property. Again, the court said, but no language in this paragraph authorizes the trustee to divide or distribute property to Guyon, who is not a beneficiary of this trust, okay? Um, And then all of this is subject to unless inconsistent with other provisions of this instrument. And there were clear provisions in this instrument to not give any money to Guyon. All right, third, Commissioner argues that paragraph 23 of Article 2 allows the trustees to use the funds to benefit Guyon. Paragraph 23 allows the trustee to, quote, enter into one or more irrevocable annuity agreements, end quote. What, how in the world can you, could she interpret letting the trust buy annuities as being, oh, this makes it available, okay, and the Court said, but the commissioner does not explain how the ability to enter into irrevocable annuity agreements could have been used to benefit Guyon. This paragraph provides no support for the commissioner's position. Ouch. Fourth, the commissioner argues paragraph 25 of Article 2 allows the trustees to use the funds to benefit Guyon. This paragraph empowers the trustees, quote, to do any and all things not inconsistent with um, emphasis added right there with the foregoing powers and authority, which trustee may deem necessary, advisable or expedient in the administration of the trust created in this agreement. Here again, the court said the language of the, of the paragraph prohibits actions that are inconsistent with any other provisions of the trust, including the provision banning gifts and loans to Guyon. So they then said this, the, Trust in whole was a very solid document. It did exactly what it was supposed to do to say. Putting money in this trust is a gift, okay? I've not addressed that, but you know, this is why this is pre-planning and not crisis planning. You can do one in crisis planning, but you need a whole lot of money, particularly enough money to get through five years. But typically, this type of trust is in pre-planning where someone comes in, they're not going into the nursing home anytime soon, and they're concerned about, will I lose all of my money? And so this trust, when you transfer money into it, it is a gift because it's gone, and it is there and protected because there is language in the trust that says none of this money shall go back to the grantor or grantors and protects it. So that is subject to the five-year look back. Okay. So I just read this and there's quite a bit more. I do encourage you to get this case and, you know, just go through it to see and feel emboldened that just because the state says it doesn't mean it's true okay and it it took me quite a few years in practice to realize hey I think I know this as well or possibly better than the state does 
And just because they say it, just because they have a team of attorneys doesn't mean that they understand this better than you or that they are correct. Okay, they are trying their best to uphold what the caseworker did. Sometimes that's a difficult job, but just understand, um, just because the, the state says so does not make it true. And hopefully this case will, number one, teach you how to do an irrevocable trust or encourage you to see the language that does come into play that the um, judges are looking at. And just the the bold attitude by the state to say, we don't care what federal law says, we're going to say this irrevocable trust suddenly magically becomes revocable when you apply for Medicaid. And that's, that's absolutely not the, it, it cannot be the case, okay, because federal law is clear. So I thought this was a good case. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. If you read it and see something else, please let me know. But I've read it and analyzed it and even um, commented on it on the NALA listserv. So um, if you do have questions or if you want to talk about my Medicaid comprehensive course, which we do talk in depth about the irrevocable trust, how to set it up, how to sell it and how to price it. Um, that is in my course and I would love to talk to you about that. You can always email me at Todd at elderlawinabox.com. Please share, please let folks know about this podcast and I would love to talk to you. Thanks. You've been listening to Elder Law in a Box, helping you help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. But it doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about letting Todd be your elder law coach, find him at www.elderlawinabox.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Elder Law in a Box. Thanks for listening. Until next time.